Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. All right. So why did the mushroom have lots of friends? Because he was a fun guy. Now, I have a Russian friend that's a sound technician, works in a sound booth, a Russian friend. But I have a Czech one, too. Czech one, too. Czech one, too. Anyway. Oh, goodness. Now, when I was, um, when I was a kid, I was... Uh, Played football my fourth grade year, and it was not a good year for me physically. I had gotten sick, and uh, I was the smallest kid, one of the smallest kids on the team. It was a fourth, fifth, and sixth grade football team, and we went zero and six, and we got beat one game 86 to nothing, which you should never experience. And it was just a rough year, and I had pneumonia that year, and I didn't have a helmet and, until the last game of the season. They didn't actually buy me a helmet, so when I played, I had to borrow somebody else's helmet. And I stuck through all that, and, and uh, I finally, finally, actually by the end of the year, I wound up playing. I was playing linebacker, and at the end of the year, uh, you know, we, we took summer break, and then I came back my fifth grade year, first day after like the first like practices when we finally got our, our uniforms for, for um, uh, the game. So we'd been in practice, and I was playing middle linebacker, and I was loving it, and I was hitting people. I actually had my own helmet in my second year. When it came time to give out the, uh, the, the jerseys, the coach pulled me over, Coach Davis, and I was a little fifth grade kid, probably um, first week of September, way back in the day, and he, he handed me this jersey with the number 51 on it, and I can still remember his words. He said to me, this was my number when I played in college, and I want you to have it. You've earned it. And we said, you earned it. Man, there was something in me just came alive. I, I, I you know, I'm much older than a little 12-year-old kid, and, and I still remember those words, and I still remember looking at Coach Davis when he said those words to me, because those words had power that spoke to my heart. Those, those words had power, and those words still resonate in me. And, and part of the reason that I don't ever quit with anything is because of what Coach Davis showed me. And some of, some of you, though, you have different words that go through your heads, like you're a loser, you can't learn anything, you'll never get this, you're, you're uh, um, ugly, you're, yeah, I, I could give you all these numbers of names and words that were called. And, you know, my mom tells a story of something her mother said to her when she was a little girl and she's pushing 80 and she still can recall word for word what her mom said to her in a derogatory way when she was a little, little girl. Because words, can we agree that words have power? Words have power. So what we want to do in the sermon series, we want to look at words and we want to look at some words that have power. Last week we talked about good. Today we're going to talk about true or truth. So if you would, would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word? And we're going to talk about truth. Now, the reason these are up here before we read our scripture, the reason these are here is one of these is true and the other is a lie. This is Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. And this is Diet Mountain Dew. 
And I will tell you that whoever invented this, this is nothing but a lie instituted from Satan from the pit of hell. This tastes like I'm drinking shoe leather that's been walked through dog do. And, and this is heaven to the tongue. And, and I got some of this the other day because it was there and I thought, you know, it's Diet Mountain Dew. I just looked at it and it was Mountain Dew Zero. I thought it would taste like Diet Mountain Dew. I'm going to tell you, this stuff right here is garbage. It is filth. And, you know, if you are a, if you are a uh, Mountain Dew representative or a Pepsi representative, listen to me, this stuff is garbage. Don't give it to people. It's no good. This is the truth. And this, my friends, is a lie. I... I just had to do that. I, I had one left before I threw it at a passing vehicle. No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> the person in the vehicle might be a CCW. No, don't do that. Oh, man. Sorry. Can, can y'all bear with me today? I've been up a long time. You know why I've been up a long time? It's because I woke up thinking about this message. So I got lots of things I want to say, and I'm going to try to condense it. If y'all can hang with me. We're going to do this. Now, I've got something I want, you to, I want you to read. I think these words are easy enough for every person in the room to read out loud. So if you see somebody near you and don't hear somebody near you reading them, just give them a quick elbow in the rib, all right? Because we're all going to read this together out loud. I think you can do one thing together, right? It'd be all right. One, we could do this together, right? We can handle this, right? I'm asking so much of you. All right, come on. Let's do it together. Y'all ready? Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, why did I have you read this? Because you can go all day long and you can listen to me or not listen to me and I'm not gonna have a lot of eternal consequence. But if you learn this scripture and this scripture settles in your heart, the word of God will accomplish what I can never do. That's why I had you read it is because this is for you to embrace the simple fact that God's truth sets you free. It's not me, believe it or not, I've been known to lie to people. I have. I have lied. I have. I admit it. A couple of times. Years ago, I actually lied with a sermon I preached. I said something I thought was true only to find out later that it was wrong. Am I allowed to say that out loud? So if your sole source of spiritual depth comes from me talking, well, then you're going to be really shallow. You probably ought to get in the scripture that says words like this, and you ought to learn for yourself what it says, because you can't trust me all the time. I might say something wrong. I'm a preacher, and I just said that. It's okay. It's okay. We're all human. We all do things that are less than perfect. So I think we could read it one more time, because that's the truth. Can we read it together out loud? And if you didn't participate first time, would you please join us? Here we go. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And God, I pray that this scripture wouldn't just be a word today. It wouldn't be a few words on a screen. It would be something that settles into our heart and that you would allow me in the next few moments to speak appropriately about the truth that brings freedom. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So turn and smile at somebody before you're sitting down. Smile. Hey, if you're watching online, here's a big smile. Big smile for you, all right? And it's real. I meant it, okay? All right, so truth, what is the definition of the word truth? Well, the definition, when I looked it up, said anything that is in accordance with fact or reality. When I read that, I thought, you know, that's not really a great definition. In accordance with fact or reality is not truly truth. 
I rewrote that definition to say that which is in accordance with fact and reality. Because, um, listen, truth is truth whether you think it's true or not. Can we start with this little propositional statement, all right? There is absolute truth. Now, I've heard people say this propositional statement, there is no such thing as absolute truth. And I'm like, hold on, is that true what you just said? Do you hear, do you hear that? There's no such thing as absolute truth. Is that really true? Because you just made an absolute truth statement that there is no truth. Apparently, y'all don't wrestle with a lot of philosophers. I do. I talk to people, they're all philosophy-driven, and they're like, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Well, that is an absolute truth statement. So you can't say that. So we would just have to embrace the fact that there is a strong likelihood that there is an absolute truth. And that is an absolute truth statement. So no matter what you do, you say absolute truths. Now, the question is, since there are absolute truths, how do you come to realize that which is really true? Well, it needs to, it needs to line up with fact and reality. Fact and reality. So truth is one of those things that it's hard to find. Have you ever really believed something? I mean, really, really, really believed it only to find out later it was a lie. I mean, like you're invested in this, this truth. How did you respond when you found out it was a lie? I'm going to tell you a couple of times a day this has happened to me, but let me just tell you one that happened recently, all right? My grandmother, Grandma Carter, if you looked at her, uh, you would swear she was a, a, a Choctaw squaw. Uh, we were told she was half Choctaw squaw, that her uh, father was full Choctaw. And that's what we were told growing up. We were told that his roll numbers, I am from Oklahoma, and being from Oklahoma, uh, we, we lived right near the Choctaw Nation. We were told that when they enrolled the Choctaws into the Choctaw Nation, my great-grandpa uh, didn't, well, they gave their numbers and got their numbers, their roll numbers to be a part of the Choctaw Nation, but then they burnt down the courthouse that night, which happened quite a bit back in the day because the Indians didn't want to be controlled by the white man and that kind of stuff. And this was a story that I grew up with. And if you saw my grandma walking down the street, you would say, Indian squaw. There, there would be no doubt in my mind. I mean, she looked like it. She was about this big and she was about this big around and she had the nose and she had the hair and the eyes and the face and she was a Choctaw squaw if you ever saw one. So my brother made this mistake of uh, doing a 23andMe or something like that. Now my entire childhood, I've been playing cowboys and Indians, but I was never the lousy cowboy because I wasn't going to be one of those white people. Because we were the awesome people, the Indians, we were the awesome ones. My brother took a 23 and me, and guess what? No Indian blood anywhere in our family. I always knew my brother was the postman. <laughs> my mom would beat me for that. Sorry. No, I, I'm just joking around. But no, uh, guess what? He got, he called me up on the phone and he said, we've been lied to. Kevin, we've been lied to. Our entire life, we've been lied to. They, guess what? Maybe we've been lied to. Now, come on, this was, I mean, come on. I spent my entire life being the Indian and never the cowboy. I mean, I guess it is 2021. I can still identify as an Indian.
Just call me Chief Red Sky. <laughs> no, I, I, do you, have you ever had like your entire, come on, this was our identity as kids growing up in backwoods, Oklahoma, running through the woods, being the Indians, you know, playing the games, building our fort, having our headdresses on. We wanted to, and then to find out that maybe all those stories I was told as a kid were a lie. Do you know what that does to your psyche? What does that do to you? What would you, my brother says to me, he says, it doesn't matter what they say, I still am. And I hear stuff like that all the time. Not me, though. I, I'm like, no, it does matter. You know, it does matter because the truth is more valuable than whatever I've told myself and whatever generations before have told me. Because the truth does what? What did we read today? The truth does what? It brings what? Freedom. It brings freedom. Huh. So... You know, we do this with our American history, too. Uh, there's this guy named Benjamin Franklin, maybe, you know. It's funny to me that if you ask anybody who signed the, the Declaration of Independence, you, who signed the Constitution, uh, the only two names most of the people can tell you now is Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson. And the reason is because those are the two people that have been promoted by our culture. They've been promoted by our culture. Why would they pick those people to promote uh, in our culture? The reason they would pick them is because they were the only two deists out of all the 40-something signers of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, the only two deists. Everybody else was Christian. By the way, you know who you don't talk about? The 12 pastors that were on there that talked just like me. The theology was just like me. They don't talk about those 12 pastors that signed the Constitution. Or John Adams, who was a better Christian in his worst day than I will ever be on my best day. Or they don't talk about people like that. You know why they don't talk about those? Because there's a narrative that wants to be replayed by our country that American really wasn't a Christian organization. Uh, it wasn't founded on Christian principles. It was founded on separation of church and state. And if you really want to make me bad, mad, just tell me that's in the Constitution. Because if you say separation of church and state is in the Constitution, I know you're an idiot because it's not in the Constitution. I dare you to find it. I double dog dare you. I triple dog dare you. It's not there. It's in a letter by Benjamin Franklin. Hmm. Now, why do these things matter? Because Benjamin Franklin was a renowned liar. So you know what we've done? We've taken the two guys with the most questionable character in the founding of our country and we've elevated them to the only places of prominence in our view. Thomas Jefferson was a slave owner who impregnated one of his slave girls. He was in debt his entire life and he had to sell things all the time. Even though his dad handed him a vast fortune, he wound up being basically penniless because he was in debt up past his eyeballs. So this guy that was a slave owner that was penniless and was a total jerk is the guy that we have elevated to the point of belief and trust in our country. And it's funny that him and a guy named Benjamin Franklin, you know that whole kite thing with the key and getting struck by lightning? It's a lie. Look it up. If, he, if that kite would have been struck by lightning and he would have touched the key, he would have died. The, modern science has proven that to be a falsehood. Now, he maybe flew the kite and maybe there was static electricity, but the way he reported it was a lie, just like the way he reported on his other political enemies. By the way, he wrote a bunch of lies in his newspapers about his political enemies because Benjamin Franklin wasn't even that great of a scientist and he was a really bad guy. Well, he probably wasn't that bad of a guy, but he wasn't the most moral person in the entire room. 
Can we acknowledge these? Now, I'm not telling you we're some awesome Christian nation. I just think it's funny that we silence the voices that were for uh, the freedom of all the black people in the world, and we silence the voices that were for godliness, and we've silenced them for guys that were deists because we want to create an America where we can do what we want rather than say there was some truth to what those guys were saying. It's a narrative. It's a narrative, and they're telling you this stuff in school, and they're selling it to you as a fact when, when you really need to chat, fact check your school these days because you're getting told a bunch of half-truths and they're painting them as whole truths and a half-truth painted a whole truth as a lie. You don't believe me? Just ask my wife. Because if I go out and I, I say, well, she says, where were you? And I said, well, you know, I was driving around when I really played golf. <laughs> Come on, can y'all, can y'all get with me here? You don't tell a half-truth and call it a whole truth. That's called a whole lie. Am I correct? So the truth brings freedom, but in our world, what we like to choose are our narratives because our narratives make us feel more comfortable. And I could tell you narratives that are lies that you're told every day about things like politics and COVID and race relations and sexual identities and financial actions. And there are narratives that you feed yourself and our culture feed us that are not true. And we base our lives on the untruths and we wonder why we live in bondage. Because Jesus came to tell you the truth and the truth will bring you freedom. So you need to know what God's truth is because that's the only real truth. I remember years ago, I was talking to a young person. I was, uh, I was 33. I was old, obviously. He said, an old person like you can't understand. I was 33. <laughs> so I, I was telling him there was no reason for him to have credit card debt. He should get out of credit card debt as soon as possible. He said, you're too old. You don't understand. Well, a little later, this guy came to me. He, he said, Every, he told me then at that day, everybody has credit card debt. You're just an old fogey. You know what? A little later, he came to me and he said, I was wrong because you don't have to have credit card debt because when he got a job and he started making payments, he started realizing that he was wasting a lot of money and he changed his view. Why am I telling you these things? Because if you believe half-truths, you live in whole lies and you live in bondage to those things. So there are three statements I want to tell you today that you need to embrace the truth, about the truth. Number one, God is truth. Last week, we found out that God is good. Remember the story Jesus was having? Last week we found out God is good. Today we're going to find out God is truth. That's not something he does, it's who he is. Last week we found out God is good. It's not something he does, it's who he is. Remember that statement? Uh, Some guy came to Jesus and a ruler said to him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looked at him and said, why you call me good? There's none good except God alone. You calling me God? You have to catch the the little bit of irony here, how Jesus says this. There's none good but God alone. Why are you calling me good? See, the guy didn't even realize he was calling him good teacher. He was actually accurate. Jesus was good without sin in his very nature, goodness. The goodness of God revealed to humanity. And, And the guy says good teacher sort of as a flippant statement, not realizing that he actually described the nature of the one standing next to him. Because you and I, our nature is not good, but Jesus' nature is good. And and the very nature of Christ was called out in that moment. So Jesus is good. Second thing, since Jesus is God, we find out that Jesus is the embodiment of truth. In John chapter one, 
verse 1, the scripture says, in the beginning was the word. Now the word, you and I read word, we, I don't know what you think, but, but when the ancients read this, there was a, an idea in Greek mythology and, and ideology that made the word sort of this intermediary between God and humanity. And uh, it, was a, it was a spiritual word and there were a lot of spiritual meanings to it. So in the beginning was the word and all the Greeks would say, yeah, and the, the, the Jews reading it would go, yeah, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Yeah, yeah, the word was with God and the word was God. Well, that's a bit of a push, but yeah, the word and God, they're one in the same. All right. Then verse 14, John said, and the word became flesh. Now, everybody reading this all of a sudden said, whoa, stop the wagons. The word became flesh. This idea of God became a reality, became humanity. Yes, he became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and what? So Jesus is God embodied in this world, the embodiment of truth. Now, Jesus made it very clear later on in John chapter 14 when he says, he's talking to his disciples and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what he says here is not he is a way. There's a definite article in the Greek, which means it is an intentional statement of Jesus says, I am the truth. I am truth in its fullest revelation, in its greatest bodily revelation and understanding. So Jesus calls himself, his very nature and his very being is truth. Then John chapter 18, verse 37. You are a king then, said Pilate, and Jesus answered, you said it. In the Greek, he said, you said it. Just basically, you said it. There's no, you, anyway, you said it. In fact, the reason I was born and came to the world, Jesus said, the reason I came into this world was to testify to the truth. Now, who's the truth? He is. He's saying, I came in the world to testify of truth. Everyone who's on the side of truth, they're going to be listening to me. And Pilate, Pilate's answer back is, what is truth? What is truth? You know, it sounds so high and lofty and awesome. Does anybody have a cell phone you could loan me? Can I borrow your cell phone for just a second? I'm not going to look at it. It's all right. I don't need it. I don't need it open. There you go. All right, got a cell phone. I'll tell you a story. The other day, I'm in my house, and I'm walking around, and I'm like, Robin, I need to go to work. Where's my cell phone? Robin, where's my cell phone? Can you call me so I can find my cell phone? Robin, can you call me so I can find my cell phone? And you know, she's looking for her phone to call me. And I walk around the corner in the kitchen. I said, I don't, I have no idea where I put my cell phone. And she looked over at me and said, it's in your hand. <laughs> Literally, it happened. Anybody ever had that happen to you? You're looking for it and it's in your hand. Now that's what happened to Pilate that day. You see what happened to Pilate? Pilate said, what is truth? And all the while, do you know what he had right there next to him? Truth. He had the embodiment of what truth is. The very nature of truth was standing next to him and he's making some philosophical statement. What is truth? Him? And that's how I feel sometimes when we, get, we come to Jesus. We're like, we make all these excuses and reasons and ideologies and you know, we ask these questions. But you know what? Jesus is truth. And he's right here with us. So second thing we need to know is God, first is God is, God is truth. And second of all, all truth is God's truth. 
Now, this is a very clear statement made by a guy named Augustine of Hippo back in the fifth century. Around 430 AD, he wrote these words that all truth is God's truth. Now, this, what this means is that um, we do not have to be afraid of any fact or factual or reliable or real or scientific truth. The reason you don't be, have to be afraid of those truths is because since God's very nature in Jesus Christ is truth, if you find truth, you find God regardless of how it looks or feels. All right. Obviously, uh, I, l let, me, let me illustrate. I was having a debate with a guy long, not long ago about creation. And the guy was saying that he believed in atheistic creation or atheistic evolution. But he said he was a Christian, but he believed the world just evolved. And he said to me, when I pressed him on it, he said simply, there's a division, faith and science. There's a division between the two. The two don't have, I just divided them in my mind. Sort of like the people that believe that my daily life is the ground floor of my apartment, but my upstairs dwelling is second story, and that's where God lives. God's the man upstairs, and I live and do business down here, and I can keep my life down here separated from the man upstairs business because God is a separate part of my life. And he was saying faith and science are separated. And I said, really? You really believe faith and science is separated. So I said, let me ask you a couple of questions. First of all, you believe the world evolved from a big bang, right? And this big bang started from this black mass somewhere, this, this mass that exploded and all of our known world exploded out of this mass, okay? And, and before there was anything else, so you're, there's nothingness, nothingness, and there's this black mass in a ball and it goes boom and all of this came out of this black mass. Where'd the black mass come from? No, no, if there's nothing, where did that something come from? All right, all right let me ask you one more question. If there's that nothing and this black mass then exploded, then what caused nothing that has never changed and always been the same for eons and eons and eons and eons and eons of billions and trillions and quadzillions of years and nothing happened, all of a sudden something happened. What happened to make it happen? And I said, what, what you have is if you can't tell me where it came from and what made it change, then you have faith in something you've never seen and can't explain. So your faith, believe it or not, your faith and your truth abide together, even though you say you separate them, they actually abide together. That was the last I heard from the guy. <laughs> he didn't interact with me anymore. Because what I pointed out is a logical fallacy that we make in our lives that, you know, that we can separate God from science. I have no problem embracing any truth of science. Because all truth is God's truth. I'm not afraid of embracing any truth, but don't tell me a half truth and claim that it's a whole truth. And your theories that you cannot prove and you can't provide for me the evidence that actually makes something believable, don't tell me it's real unless you can prove it. So I have faith, you have faith, and our faith and our truth mixes. And I think it's appropriate for us to honor that and to say that we all have faith. Now, some people have faith in stupider things than other things. 
Because I, I did some research for this message on people who literally believe there's a flat earth. And I want to put up a picture of the flat earth. This, there are people that literally believe this is what our earth looks like. And there is that Antarctica is the outer rim and it's a layer of ice and it's patrolled by NASA and NASA keeps people from falling off the edge of the earth by that layer of ice. And that, you know, to get the telemetry of the stars and the, and the sun and all that kind of stuff, we have to, you know, you, you got to fix all the documents and the, and the readers and the airplanes and all that stuff, they all have to be fixed. And if you're going to fly from here to there, they take you around instead of taking you direct lines to fool you because everybody's fooled except for the few people that believe the earth's flat. And they've even gone so far that say, if there's a, a lunar eclipse, you know, where the sun uh, is here and the earth moves in front of the moon, they say that, no, 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 no. There is a, there's a, a moon out there that we can't see. It's a hidden moon and it goes in front of the moon to create a lunar eclipse because the, you know, the earth is flat and everything revolves around it. I don't understand these people. They're crazy. Do you know how many facts you have to deny to believe this? Do you know how many facts? Is anything up in the sky flat? Everything in the sky is what? Round. Imagine that. All right. Everything in the entire universe is round except for our place. Do you know how much truth you have to deny to get there? It's crazy. So... I just want to tell you my mission. My mission is to be a man who is incredibly radical, radically centrist. I'm not a radical left winger. I'm not a radical right winger. I'm a radical centrist. You know why? Because I believe the right wingers, I'm sorry, the right wingers, they have some truth to what they're saying surrounded by their narrative of lies. And I believe the left-wingers have some truth to what they're saying, surrounded by a, a narrative of lies. And I believe it is my job in life to find out the bullcrap from the truth and the bullcrap from the truth and believe the truth. That's our job as Christians, is to embrace the truth. Why does this matter? John 8, 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free regarding your politics, regarding your sexual preferences and ideas, regarding your money, regarding your relationships, regarding your relationship with God, regarding your personal health, regarding masks, regarding COVID, regarding it all. The problem is we listen to half truths and call them lies, the whole truth. And when we do so, we deceive ourselves into garbage. John 7, 18, whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory, but the one who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false in him. Let me ask you a very simple question. Do you want to buy a car from a person that tells you half of the truth or all of the truth? Well, then why would you ever be a person that lives believing your narratives over truth? Jesus told us, that all truth is God's truth. And then, last of all, lies distort the truth. Jesus said that 
The father of lies is Satan, John 8, 44. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there was no truth in him. Whenever he lies, he speaks his native language. So the native language, my native language is English. That's what I grew up with. I've tried to learn other languages. I'm really bad at them. If you grew up, maybe you grew up in China, your native language then would be Chinese. You grew up in Mexico, your native language would be Spanish. The problem is, if you grow up believing the devil, your native language will be lies because he is the father of all lies and that is his native language. So when you speak lies, you are talking Satan's language, not God's language. And, and Jesus said, yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? I, if I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? because you choose your narrative over truth. And then he said, whoever belongs to God, here's what God says, the reason you do not hear is you do not belong to God. So when it comes to this truth lie thing, a little bit of a lie equals a whole lie. All right, so I make my kid these brownies years ago. They were these incredible brownies. I, I actually, I, I made them out of a box, but you know, everything in the box is good, right? And I took the right amount of eggs and milk and all that kind of stuff. And I, ma I made the brownies the way it said to, with all the right ingredients, except I added something special in my brownies. I went out in the yard and picked up one little piece of dog poop, just a little one. And I mixed it in there in the batter really, really well. And then when I went to give it to the kids, I said, oh, before you eat it, just so you know, you got these great brownies here and everything in these brownies is good and edible, but I just put a little bit of dog poop in them. Now, how many kids, how many of you think my kids would eat my brownies? Why wouldn't they eat my brownies? Because a little bit of a lie taints all of the truth. And you see what God is? God is the God of truth. There is no falsehood or lie in him. But when we believe our narratives about the truth, we're like the people looking at the elephant. You know, you've heard this. They bring an elephant. They bring three guys in that have never seen an elephant and they give them blindfolds and they tell them to feel the elephant. So the first one go over and grabs his trunk and he feels this long slender thing that moves and is muscular. And he's like, I don't know how to describe it. You know, it's, it's like a tree branch, but it moves and it's got leather on it. And another guy, goes over and he grabs the leg and I mean the leg is this stocky strong thing and he grabs the leg and he said wow this is a tree trunk it's it's amazing and another one goes back and grabs the tail and it's this wispy little broomy feel you know with feathers or uh, a hair down at the end and he grabs it and says this is like a broom so one describes it as a branch that moves and another a tree trunk and another a broom now all of them are true because they all have their view of the truth but their view of the truth is incomplete and when they took their glasses off and their their mask off they were able to see the entirety of the elephant and they were all able to say oh this is the truth of what I'm looking at because you see a lot of us we get one little bit of truth in our head and we have an experience and or we learn something in school or we learn something in a, in a book we read or something and we think we know everything about the circumstance but God is not on the right or the left with one little bit of information or one little bit of information. He sees not only the whole elephant, he sees all the inside of the elephant. He knows what made it, where it came from. He knows how the heart beats and how the blood circulates. He knows all that because God is truth. He's not limited to one view of truth. And yes, you may have a view that is true from your perspective, but until you subject that view from your perspective to God's perspective, you can never embrace the fullness of what truth is. 
So how does Satan do this? How does he interject lies? He does it four ways very quickly. Suppression of the truth. That means not allowing truth to be spoken, written, posted, taught, whatever you want. And this happens all the time. Uh, Romans 1, 18 says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Second is they exchange the truth. Romans 1, 25, they exchange the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. So they replace the facts with narratives, popular opinions, and brainwashing. They replace it. Years ago, I watched this video called Zeitgeist. And it was a bunch of people trying to say that Christianity was a lie. And what it was is they had about that much uh, truth in it and the rest was dog poop. So their brownings was this much truth and this much distortion and lie. And they were undermining Christianity in young minds. I had kids actually believing that garbage. And when I would expose to them the the lies that were in the, the video, they'd be like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. So you're gonna trust some guy who writes this from a bad attitude rather than somebody's got done years of schooling and read all the books and the ancient documents for himself. I don't understand that. But what happens is there's an exchange going on is you don't want to believe it because as soon as you believe it, then you have to change the way you live to how God says rather than how you're living. And the third, rejection. There's outright rejection. When truth is presented, it is rejected. Romans 2, 8. For those who are self-seeking and reject the truth and follow evil. And then lastly, there's opposition. Resisting, resisting anybody else learning the truth. It says, Tim, 2 Timothy 3, 8. So these teachers oppose the truth. I'll tell you one more story and then, then I'll wrap this up. There was a guy, his name was Danny. Danny was, um, what was his name? It was, no, it was Vance Vanders. Vance Vanders was walking in Alabama years ago. He's walking through a cemetery and a witch doctor came up and threw some stinky water on his face and said some words over him. So Vance thought he was under a curse and he got sick to the point he was about ready to die. He was laying in the hospital, literally dying from this curse. And doctor came in, the doctor's name is Drayton Doherty. And he came in and he said, hey Vance, I talked to the witch doctor and I found out what the spell is. He put a lizard in you to eat your intestines. And I'm gonna just, we're just gonna reverse this and we're gonna get the lizard out of you. So he gave him a, a shot to make him throw up. And, uh, and old Vance began to throw up and begin to heave, you know? As he began to heave and throw up and throw up, uh, the doctor reached in his pocket and pulled a lizard out and put it on his chest. And Vance, throwing up, looks down, sees the lizard and said, there it is. So they took the lizard and they threw the lizard away. And Vance got up out of the hospital and the guy who was ready to die got up and lived for years healthy because he believed a lie in his head. It was destroying him. And I know a lot of people like that. You believe lies about yourself. You believe you're stupid, you can't do anything. You believe that, you know, you'll never amount to much. You believe God can't love you. Whatever it is that you believe. You've believed whatever lie was told to you by Satan and it's destroying you. So I grew up in a church where they told me things about God. The things they told me about God weren't always true. I told you early on, you need to check the 
word for yourself to make sure what I'm saying is the truth. They told me things that weren't true. And I had all these beliefs about God and I had all of these ideas about how the Bible and the, my life. And I went to seminary. I made this mistake. I went to seminary. And uh, my first day of seminary for three hours, my professor just attacked those lies. Now I'd had problems for years and I'd swept them under the rug. And that first day of seminary, my professor just pounded me for three hours. And you know what he did? He pulled back that rug and he said, look at all the things you've been hiding. And I had to embrace, because he was telling me things that were true, I had to embrace that it was truth and that my original view of God and the Bible and the world was wrong. Are you ready for that? I had to do that. So I know some people who walked away from faith and say they're atheists. And um, I say to them, I don't blame you. I'm an atheist too. I don't believe in your God either because your version of God's not worth believing in. Now, I believe this. And we'll talk about this in the next couple weeks. I believe Jesus Christ was a real human being that walked on this earth. That he was God-made man because he died for my sins and on the third day he was resurrected from the dead. It's a real story. A dude really died. Nobody pronounced any curse, any blessing over him. Nobody prayed for him. By his own power on the third day, he got up out of the grave and he never ever died again. He wasn't just resuscitated, he was resurrected. Three days in a grave, really alive. And I rebuilt my faith based on those facts rather than all the things I'd been told. Now there was a lot of truth to what I was told and I had to come back and refit it through a grid of the facts. Are y'all following me here? So what I'm offering to you as a potential follower of Jesus is this. Don't believe your views of God. Simply believe in a resurrected Jesus. And if you think I'm asking too much, I want to take you to uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Can you put Romans 10, 9 up there? This is all the scriptures say you need to do to be saved. Is if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord. We'll come back to that. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're saved. So you have to have a belief in that resurrection. In a couple weeks, we'll talk about the facts behind that and why I believe that's a factual story, not a myth, not a fairy tale, a real story. But you have to declare with your mouth, what? Jesus is Lord. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. I was talking to a nine-year-old years ago and I said, do you know what it means to make Jesus your Lord? And he said, hmm, typical nine-year-old. Does that mean he's like the boss of me? And really, that's what confessing Jesus as your Lord means. It's your saying, Jesus, you're the boss of me. Your truth, I'm some measure of lie. I embrace you fully. Change me. And the more I get to know you, Jesus, the more I will be free. So if you believe Jesus was resurrected from the dead and you want to confess him as Lord, I want to give you an opportunity right now. Just sitting where you are. If you've never done that, and today is your day to confess him as Lord, just with all the boldness that's within you, would you just lift your hand up real high? Today is my day to confess Jesus as Lord. If that's you and you want to confess him, just stick it up real high. People are going to see me. You bet they will. They'll support you, right? They'll probably give praise. Yes, 
I saw a hand back there. Yeah, go ahead. Real high. We want to see this. Jesus is my Lord. Yes. Yes. Jesus is my Lord. I make you my Lord. Be the boss of me right now. And if you, if you mean that, Father, right now, I pray that every person that, that makes that confession, Jesus is Lord, that you would give them life and hope and truth and freedom in the name of Jesus. Now, one more thing. If you're sitting in this room and you're living in some level of bondage, it's the lies you believed about yourself or this world or whatever it may be. And it's your time. Today is your time for you to get free. Say, Jesus, I want to embrace the whole truth. The whole truth. Not half of it. The whole truth. I will embrace the whole truth because I want your freedom. I want your freedom in my relationships. I want your freedom in my finance. I want your freedom in my physical body. I want your freedom in the way I think about myself and the way I approach problems. I want your freedom and the way I deal with other people. I want your freedom with my view of this world. I want freedom. And if you would like that, we're going to sing a song together. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And we're going to sing this song. And if you want that kind of freedom, I want you just to lift both hands up in the air and to sing it like you mean it. Would you stand with me? And let's all sing this together.